Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Tyler Dawn here with Jim Monas. Another episode of the Go Long Podcast. You know what, Jim? We figured we'd uh, get together here on a nice Saturday morn, afternoon. What time is it right now? Well, for us, it doesn't matter for time. We're always <laughs> ready to pop open, especially. I've been waiting for weeks. Optimonium. It's great Amber to have you back in person. Tyler, uh, I missed feels, you. Feels I missed good you. to be back. Uh, this is awesome. Good to see that Hamburg Brewing is packed right now with people, yeah. and this is this feels a little bit normal. It's a Saturday. Yeah, we don't have football, but you know we have college basketball and NBA. Might be a Brooklyn Nets game tonight that I have my eye on, maybe 8.30 on ABC, but, okay. you know, for the fans, Brooklyn Nets minus four, wink, wink. Who they but, um, Oh, this is a good one tonight. Dallas Mavericks. Luca. Luca's fun to watch. Dallas kind of stinks this year, though, right? But you know what? The spread's only four, which tells me, hey, Brooklyn's been hot lately, and national TV, sometimes superstars like to show up on ABC on Saturday night. So I got my eye on Brooklyn tonight. Love it. Love it. Yes, Jim is right. We're here at uh, HBC, Hamburg, New York. Get on in. Get some hoptimonium. It's incredible. That 8.0 will hit you. It might might feel a little higher than that, than 8.0. but it's good. It's good stuff. And, you know, it's it's crazy, isn't it, Jim? I mean, like, there. I'm sure you got it a lot as a personnel man, from your friends, from your family. What do you do in the off season? Well, there is no off season. <laughs> I'd get that question, too. Like, it, it never ends. This is what the NFL wants. They want to be in the headlines, 365, 24-7. And they've got to be loving all this quarterback drama, right? I mean, it's good for business. It's 
we've got stuff to debate, stuff to talk about. This quarterback's unhappy. That quarterback's unhappy. You know, I don't think you can just take a broad stroke and say they're all right or they're all wrong. We talked about Deshaun Watson. We've talked about Carson Wentz. But now we've got to talk about Russell Wilson. And I, I think the segue there is what kind of made a little news in our last podcast, right, Jim? Well, what's funny, Tyler, when you think about this time of year, it's usually dominated by who ran the fastest 40, who oh. jumped the vertical this week. Because yeah. it's mostly the end of February, right? We're all at the Combine. And, you know, now that the Combine has been, you know, scaled back, no workouts – now we're talking about what quarterback, what franchise quarterback is trying to go to another franchise, which we've never talked about before in the offseason. And Eric Woods sparked it the other day a little bit with the whole Russell Wilson could have been a bill. And, hey, we, we talked about it. Patrick Mahomes could have been a bill. And I know it drives some people crazy, but, you know, that is life in personnel and front offices where how close you can be to drafting somebody – and yet you might not get the opportunity to because a team takes him before you, or you have you have the collisions of coaches versus scouts, Yeah, which happens with every team. And this time of year right now, they're all going into meetings. And the, and the front office right now, all the scouts are putting, the, you know, all the GMs are putting up their initial draft boards. But the coaches haven't weighed in yet. The coaches come more a little bit late March, April. And when you all get together, now the coaches come in and say, no, 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 that guy's too high. We don't like him. Or scouts are like, coaches, no, he's too high. And the battles begin kind of coming up here late March, but every team has these battles. And when you hear Eric Wood tell those stories about, yeah, David Lee loved Russell Wilson, well, I can give you some stories where David Lee loved Christian Hackenberg, you know, from Penn State and wanted us to take Christian Hackenberg at Penn State along with Greg Roman, and we didn't. Right. So – just like we have misses, and I admit a lot of mine, we also do have hits, and coaches have hits and misses too, and that's what makes this whole draft process. I think it's why it's so popular is fans watch football and fans scout and want to say, that guy should be here and here. We're doing the same thing, and, yes, we argue just like we argue drinking beers at Hamburg yeah. over whoever. It's not that different, right? Not that different. It's really <laughs> it's not that, that different. You're just getting paid. We're getting paid. <laughs> For making bad choices or good choices, it's 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 incredible. I mean, so that's a lot to unpack there. We'll get into yeah, it all, but yeah, like, yeah. real quick on on the David Lee thing. Yeah. So for people who don't know, longtime quarterbacks coach in the NFL, Buffalo for that 2012 season, when obviously he loved Russell Wilson, number one on his board, as Eric Wood said. And please listen to that whole podcast if you get the chance. Where with Eric, he was phenomenal and. Yeah, David Lee had a number one, but also the equipment crew had the jersey printed. The name was on the card, and they drafted T.J. Graham. So thanks, Eric, for that little nugget. And But with Lee, which, which, which wild, Jim, is he loved Mahomes in Cleveland. So he's in Cleveland. He's, he's trying to convince those guys, from what I was told, to take Patrick Mahomes over Miles Garrett, over all these guys. And it's like you could think, oh, my God, David Lee is this quarterback savant. Like, what a genius and then, wait a minute, yeah, he went to the Penn State Pro Day, right, and came back and said, we got to take Christian Hackenberg. I mean, it goes back to the 2000, the Mariota-Winston draft. Yeah. You know, we weren't going to take either one of them, obviously. We knew they were going 1-2. But, you know, I could, you know, and, and David Lee, it's just like I'm saying, coaches are just like scouts. Like, we all hit, we all miss. But David Lee, like Sean Mannion from Oregon State, he really thought he had a future. You know, he was pounding the table a little bit for him for us to take, not first round, but, you know, hey, and we didn't see that, and, you know, we moved on from Mannion. But 
we sent Greg Roman and David Lee to Penn State's Pro Day, and they came back, we would want him in the first round. And we didn't have those types of grades. We had fifth, sixth, seventh round free agent type grades on Hackenberg. We didn't like them. Now, obviously, Terry Pagula's a Penn State right. guy, and we were a little scared. I mean, they said this in front of Terry. Well, Terry wasn't really buying it either. You know, Terry, you know, to Terry's credit, he, he said, hey, you guys don't like them. I don't, we don't need to mess with them. You know, and that was, that's, that's a sign of a great owner. But it and, just and goes, the sign of a, a Penn State fan, right? He probably well, he saw, saw enough. Yeah. Right. And, you know, somehow Hackenberg, I don't know, the whole Hackenberg's tape wasn't that good. He had a freshman no. year under Bill O'Brien. People keep saying, wow, look at his freshman year. Well, it wasn't that great. He had one good game against Wisconsin. I, the only reason I know this off the top of my head is because we had to beat him down a little bit because of Roman and David Lee. Loved him so much. But he had one good game against Wisconsin, and his whole career he was inaccurate, wasn't tough, wasn't a playmaker. He had a big arm. He looked the part and had a big arm, but he wasn't a great quarterback. And, Real quick, Jim, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, no. but, like, how does that go down then when with, with Roman and Lee? Um, like, we're physically, like, where are you guys, and, and how are they saying – are they, like, literally banging the table, draft this guy? Like, uh, yeah, they – they, some guys will to make it a point. It's kind of over the top. You don't have to bang the table. We get it. But some guys want to do that, and we've all been a part of those meetings. But um, you you just you do it in a respectful way where, hey, we don't tell you what plays to call on game days. We need you to back off on this one. Mm-hmm. We don't have anybody else that sees it the way you see it. We're just going to have to, hey, tough pill to swallow, but we don't see him like that. And it's hard, but but that's the old, that's the hardest thing to do, is because yeah we don't call plays. And guess what? On Sundays the front office is sitting up in those press boxes, yeah, yeah. right? Why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Criticizing the coaches. And on draft day the coaches are like, Why are we taking this guy? Why are we taking this guy? That's one. If you can eliminate that, you have a pretty good team probably. I just remember being in that press box and like, usually if it was a road game. Like, you know, when I was covering the Packers and then covering the Bills or any other teams, any other press boxes, like the road team's front office, they'd be right in there with the media. So I kind of didn't have it. Like, if something bad happened on the yeah. field, I'd love to just kind of turn around and see what the GM's reaction was. And so, like, Ted Thompson, Green Bay, like, stone cold. Yep, like, no like, reaction ever. Like, nothing. But, oh, my God, like, oh, there's so many stories. I'll give you a good one. I'll give you a good one when it's miserable to be sitting with the owner. We're in London playing Jacksonville. I was there with you. Which was awesome. We should have got a beer out in London. We could have. I don't drink. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. So I don't gamble either. But <laughs> we're sitting there, and EJ had to start that game. That game was ridiculous. That game was insane. Just a ridiculous freaking game. When When I tell you that leading up to that game, we were talking with the Pagulas saying, all right, this is a great game to evaluate. This is good for EJ. Like, let's see what we got in EJ. You know, maybe this will get him sparked again. Well, anybody remember, and they, not only Bills fans will probably remember, but that first half was like oh, was a disaster. It was hard to believe. And sitting with Terry during that first half, when I tell you, and, and if we had Doug on right now, he would tell you what he said. But Doug Whaley said, we felt like we went to the principal's office and we had to admit, Terry, we have to get better. Yes, you're right. He can't even be our backup. 
But then the second half came around. <laughs> he turned it on. Things were happening. Yeah. And long story short, yeah, I think we should have won that game. I thought that call against Roby, it was, right. it was, yeah, we talked, it, it was a rough call against Roby, but that happens. I never want to blame, I hate blaming officials for games and you can't do that. And yeah, we, it was a tough loss and an awful long flight home, but it really did feel like you were sitting with the principal and had to go through why you messed up. I'll take my punishment and can I can I improve? Can, or can was give he me giving a you a look? Or did yeah, he, was, he, he wasn't happy. He he had that look of like guys, what are we doing? How's this going to get what better? What were your other? Because Tyrod was hurt. That was the you issue. Didn't really so have any other at the options. time. It was like, but Josh Johnson, right? No, and it. <laughs> but well, I'm laughing because it's that's how it can get. And it was bad. once you realize, now you're sitting there thinking, wow, he's not even really good enough to be your backup. Like, that's that's a hard pill to swallow. So yeah. it definitely was tough, but that's what every front office goes through when you're sitting with the owner during games. And But going back to the point of coaches miss, scouts mm-hmm. miss, front office GMs miss, it, it's, it's why when you can see teams that stay the same and keep the GM and head coach synced up, those are the teams that they're going to have sustained success. And we talk about this with the Bills, and that's why you, you battle through it. And like Eric Wood said the other day, you wish you could, hey, stick with this guy for a little bit. Let's just see what happens. Let's, you know, I, I wanted to get your honest reaction to that point because I, I see what Eric is saying, you know, but that, then I don't. It's like, what are you going to Are you going to stick with an EJ? Are you going to stick with a Tyra Taylor? Like, 100%, Tyler, you're right. Sean Payton. First, when I was scouting for the Saints, and he takes over, and first thing he does is he gets rid of, after that first year, he gets rid of Aaron Brooks, the quarterback, Joe Horn, Dante Stallworth, you know, boom. Guys that were kind of known around, hey, these are good players, right? Not working. This right. isn't working. I need, he knew what he needed. and he, he, he Well, I say that. I mean, we kind of got lucky with Breeze, but being healthy. But he knew he didn't want Brooks. Knew those receivers weren't his style. Mm-hmm. Coach Payton always said, guys, I will cut a draft pick in training camp. It's okay. We don't need to hold on to him because we drafted him. And that lesson really stuck with me. And Doug said it on our happy hour. Well, he said it on the happy hour when yeah. we were talking about the one thing he always respected about me was I was always willing to kind of move on from somebody. Yeah. That came from Coach Payton. Wow. Like that – that was in my head, and he was so right. Hey, cut bait. Hey, we messed up. Right. And and I was thinking about during that London game, I remember thinking that, like, no, we got to stop. We're forcing this. We are forcing this. It's not EJ's fault. It's not our fault. EJ was trying. We were trying. It just wasn't working. I think it, what goes hand-in-hand hand with that, too, Jim, is – and you're, I totally agree. That's so great to hear because I think so many front offices and GMs, it's like it's ego – I, I took this guy. We're going to make it work. I can correct this player. And and maybe there is a coaching element. Like, yeah, you know, you got to work. But if at some point you just kind of know one way or another. And with DJ, what makes it difficult is he is such a nice guy. Like, I think that enters the equation for a lot of teams. It's like, oh, but he works really, really hard. And he's a really – well, that I hate to say it, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Like, EJ, can you play or not? EJ is probably one of the, my favorite people I've ever met, ever scouted. I mean, he gives you every – he's oh, so smart. So Works great so with hard. us when he was getting criticized. He, he, he'd stand there and talk for EJ did everything right. Yeah. He tried and tried. And it wasn't all EJ's fault. We didn't handle EJ correctly either. 
like we didn't give him his best chance to succeed. We didn't. And whether or not that mattered, but it just wasn't working. However you, you know, figure it out, it wasn't working. And it is hard to move on when you invest in a guy. But to your point, too, think about John Gruden. So he yeah. comes out on ESPN, right, before he's a head coach. Yeah. And who does he love? Nathan Peterman. Who is still getting paid? It's amazing. By Vegas. Nathan Peterman. He, Gruden, I, honestly, I would love, if he had to start a game, it, it would be fascinating. Now, hey, we drafted Peterman. And when we took Peterman in the fifth round, whatever we took him, sixth round, we thought maybe he could develop into a backup. Well, guess what? He got thrown into the fire too quick, too quick, couldn't play, right? Couldn't play. No. He established himself as couldn't be a starter. But Gruden knows he's on record on ESPN, and he's still paying yeah. this guy. Yeah. And I don't think there's – I don't even know if Gruden would roll him out, you know, if he had to as a starter. I don't know if he would do it. You know what's wild? Well, first, before, before yeah, I make sorry, this point. Sorry, I know no, I'm kind of – No, this is good. Yeah. Like, first – if you can, Jim, like when you took Peterman, what do you remember? Like who yes. was really want, pushing He was for him? a guy. No, nobody. We all felt comfortable with him. Coaching Fourth staff, round. scouting. Fifth, I think it was fifth. Fifth round, yeah, okay. To, for yeah. a guy that we thought we did spend time with him, beat Clemson, right? He, look, Peterman has some really good qualities: off the chart intelligence, accurate. You know, he does have he, physically. He's limited. Um, but I think what happened when, when he got thrown into the fire, it was too big for him, yeah. you know, and, and it just wasn't right. But we thought he could develop into a backup. We didn't see him being no. replacing Tyrod that first year. Like Obviously, Whaley and I weren't around for that. But when, when they made that move, when, when Sean put him in, you know, from an outsider, because we were outside the building, we were thinking, I remember thinking to myself, wow, is Peterman really, maybe he's like just blowing people away in practice and film room and maybe he is, maybe he just, you know, just ascended quick, you know, more, you know, quicker than we thought. Well, he didn't. And, you know, when you know Peterman, he is a little timid. He's not that alpha male that some quarterbacks are. And I just still can't believe, like to the ego part of it, I really believe Gruden I agree with you. You know, I mean, I can't get Peterman out of my head. I mean, it's like <laughs> I know you. I know. It's like I mean, it's unbelievable that that Sean McDermott and the Bills are where they are right now. We really I mean, thought if, he if had another a shot co- to be a backup, we thought he could be a backup. But it's like a, I mean, other coaches that trot Nathan Peterman out as their starter, not just then, but he was the opening day starter the next year. I get it; they didn't want to start Josh Allen right away, but like that's still pretty ridiculous that he was on the roster starting an NFL game after what was arguably the worst performance ever for a quarterback in the history of the sport. It, it's amazing that the Bills are, you know, they, they're in the AFC Championship game a few years, a couple years later, and Sean McDermott's considered one of the best coaches. Like, if you hit quarterback, they hit Josh Allen, you, you just forget stuff like that. It's, it's amazing. It there really it is. is. You just summed up the NFL. Yes. Whatever, and it's why I keep telling the Bills fans about this all season. Don't stress about who they lose, who they don't sign, and who they're gonna like. Don't stress on that. You have the quarter. The quarterback is in place. Totally, you got the guy. You did the hardest part. Enjoy this off season. You're gonna have lose. If you lose Milano, get over it quick. You're gonna be okay. Yeah, they, like that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. hey, do you want draft the best player available when you're picking later in the draft? And this is what we did in New Orleans. Don't stress. 
take the best player. Don't say, we need to get a tight end. We need a running back. We need to... No, you don't. You, you might need another corner. You might need a linebacker. You might need a pass rusher. Take the guy that you value the most when you're picking 28 or 30. Take the guy you value the most. We took Mark Ingram. We traded up in the first yeah. round. After we took Cam Jordan with the Saints in the first round, we traded back because Ingram was still available, and we all loved Ingram. And we all were like, Coach Payton, that's what I always loved about Coach Payton. He was like, let's go. We got the quarterback. Let's go after it. This is our window. Our window is open right now. And the Bills window is officially open. And they better go after every guy they think can help them win a Super Bowl. Absolutely get into that before I forget on Gruden. I just want to throw yeah, this yeah. in. Like, so when I was at Bleach Report, this would have been this would have been two years ago. So I think it was the first work trip I took after I married Gina and we got a house. We, by the way, the same day we got our marriage certificate and closed on our house the same day, which was wild. But wild. Like, we get married first trip going out to to Oakland to. It was, remember John Gruden? His first year was it was terrible. It was like a disaster. There, everything's kind of falling apart. They I mean, obviously, they traded Khalil Mack at the start of the year, and then he's saying we're not going to trade. Mayock's uh, out there, right? Mayock? I think, yeah. yeah. I think Mayock would have been out of, there. Or, or was this his first year before they got you know rid what? of McKenzie. I think McKenzie was still McKenzie was still. And did you know him from Green Bay at all? A little bit. Not not, not super well. Um, but uh, so, you know, Bleach Reports. Like, I don't remember who came up with the idea, my editor or myself. I just go out there, get in the middle of all that madness, and try to make sense of it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, players were saying, yeah, they, he told us, you know, Mari Cooper, like, was a part of the team. We ain't going to trade him. And we get back to the locker room, and we find out he was traded. Like, you know, just walks off. It was just insane. And guys didn't know, like, day-to-day if they were going to be on the team. So, you know, I'm talking to players about this. It was, you know, a pretty pointed article, I guess. And my takeaway from John Gruden was he'll move on from you. Like, especially young players. Like, if, if you can't hang, like – if he doesn't think you can intellectually keep up with the terminology, with what he wants to see it, you're out the door. And it blows my mind that he would stick with Peterman then. Like, this is a guy that you think he would just not take a chance on in the first place, but give up on very soon, and he's still there. And maybe I'm being too – maybe Peterman is – maybe he does view him as a good backup because he does have some qualities that you could see as a backup. But – Gruden's mentality, Coach Payton, Sean Payton and John Gruden are very close. And it doesn't surprise me that they have that same mentality. That, hey, let's just, hey, bounce. So when I'm with the Saints, and this is where it can get, this is where Coach, this story is funny with Coach Payton too with the Saints, but we take Marcus Colston in the seventh round from Hofstra, receiver. Well, he comes in, and the whole summer, mini camps, and even early in training camp, he has back issues, and this is more mini camp in June. But Coach Payton's talking to all of us like, um, nah, we got to move on. This guy isn't it. Can't run. Back hurts. Can't run routes. He's dropping balls. Like, this guy's a hey guys. We just missed. And I think the GM said, can we just – let's go to training camp with him. He is battling a back injury. The rest is kind of history where we get into training camp and Colston feels healthy, and all of a sudden he's making – all of a sudden Coach Payton's like, hey, cool. Yeah, yeah. But, but Coach Payton was also not. He was ready up, to give up on him. He was ready to give up on Colston and OTAs in June. Wow. But he wasn't big enough ego where he. Other yeah, people said, yeah. "Can we just give him till training camp?" And Coach Payton did that, and that shows you a sign of a good leader. Where, hey, okay, guys, you know what? Let's. But 
I'll never forget everybody saying, guys, we might be getting rid of Colson. We're like, wow, that quick? Like, he really is that bad? Because sometimes scouts aren't there in June. And um, you're like, man, he really is that bad? But it's fascinating. It's fascinating how it, it works. is. I mean, so I, like I told you, Jim, and I'll tell our listeners yeah. and readers, like, next week I'm going to fly to Miami to do a bunch of stories that go along. And there's a player that I'm hoping to get together with down there. I don't want to give too much away, but he was a player that John Gruden gave up on very, very soon. Unbelievably talented in college. Mm. And he's with a new team right now mm. at a new position. Mm-hmm. And I'm. I'm I'm, I'm glad that, like, you're fascinated by this, like, topic because it does fascinate. Like, when do you throw in the towel on the guy? When do you believe in a guy? Because this is somebody that was really, really talented. So there's my tease. You know, you got to tease in this business, and, and hopefully people will subscribe. You know, we are talking about the Combine a little bit earlier in Gruden. When I was an intern in Philly, Philadelphia, back in, like, 2000, 2001, at the, my very first second Combine. You and Howie Roseman, right? Howie. Howie was <laughs> – Howie, we're all trying to make it. You have another beer there, Jim. It's only 8.0. Yeah, you know. It's not too strong. You can stay at my place in Boston if you need to. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Got early. Got a, got a spare bedroom. It's early. I'm walking around the Combine. It's my first time in Indianapolis. And, you know, you're new in the NFL. You're an intern. So you're walking around seeing all the coaches and yeah. GMs who, you you know, you're like, you know, you're kind of starstruck. Your first time. I really believe that when you're – come from college all of a sudden you're around these guys and you're a little starstruck at first so i remember walking by you know you're indianapolis anybody that's been there knows it's all restaurant row everywhere right and i remember seeing gruden uh i walked into a hooters i didn't really want to go there but just to, to solo just sauntering on into i a was hooters. forced to go in there with some friends. For, for, yeah forced forced and i see john gruden in there with a table <laughs> and he's running shop and i'm thinking how the why is a head coach of an NFL team <laughs> sitting at Hooters? And I kind of lost – I was kind of done with him at that point. As yeah. Far as, yeah. Really? Very odd. I was like, you're better than this. Like, I don't think their wings are that good. I'd rather have wings from any – you know, I, I just don't like Hooters. But I'm like, why is a head coach, John Gruden, at Hooters? But then I see the commercials. <laughs> then I get it. Hey, man, it's all about sponsorship and – he oh, started doing some commercials for Hooters, okay. and I saw it when he was with Tampa, and it, it all started. Without that, though, that is very strange, you know. But anyway, I was just on that. Some of these coaches just have, you know. Right, well, we got to get into the combine story because, like, people don't realize, like, this week it, it's going on right now, or oh. would be would have been going on right now. Obviously, with Corona, it's not. But man, I mean, the whole NFL world descends upon Indianapolis for one week. Scouts coaches, media, the draft prospects, everybody, and it's it, it's wild. I mean, it's just a segue. Like, I remember, um, you know, I- Ike and Jonesy's is, is like kind of a, do you call it a dive bar? It's, you know, one of those, like, old school shitty for, dance for the floors older, out the there. Coaches. There was there There were so many stories. I don't even, you know, it's always hearsay, but you hear certain names of, like, some legendary coaches that are party and Ike and Jonesy's with people who aren't necessarily their wives. Um, leave, it at, Blaine, leave it at Blaine's, that. Yeah, oh, the Blaine's cigar place. Bar, yeah, cigar, that, I like Mickey Blaine's. You, if you don't wash your clothes at the hotel before you go back, your wife is going to destroy you <laughs> because you open your suitcase and it just smells like a cigar. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, Kilroy's. Kilroy's Kill is a great spot. spot. I miss the camaraderie and the and the 
talks with agents and trades with other teams. So at the much combine. goes down that week. I'll tell I you mean, what doesn't so go down. The news breaking, the transactions. Nobody everything. cares about the 40 times in no, the NFL. Nobody gives a shit about we, any of that. You get those on a printout when yep. you leave the combine. When you go to the combine, when you're in the front office or your coach, you're going there to mingle, talk a little bit. I mean, yeah, we interview players for 15 minutes. It's it's like speed dating. We all called it. You know, a guy comes in, talks to him for 15 minutes, leaves the room. Patrick Mahomes came in. In our, in our 15-minute interview, now, Terry Pagula didn't always sit in on these interviews at the Combine. I can promise you he was – We I sat next to Terry for that one. We were sitting right in the back of the room. He couldn't wait. And Mahomes was awesome. I mean, he was sharp. He was great. But his voice, if you ever heard Mahomes yeah. talk, when he left the room, the one thing we all kind of didn't know was like, wow, he's him calling a play in a huddle has got to be crazy. I mean, it's a little raspy. It's a little – Different than you know, just yeah. a little different. You heard what Travis Kelsey said, right? What he say? <laughs> Super Bowl week. Somebody asked Kelsey uh, if Patrick Mahomes was like a, a like, what's his spirit animal? Like what's his spirit? Kelsey said something like, uh, you know, I think he's got a little frog in him. Perfect, perfect, I perfect mean, example. Which isn't that great? That tells you a lot about the Chiefs. Like here's something that, like initially, if me or you were to like throw that out there. You know we're canceled. We're done. We're finished. You can't say that. The te- like they just rib. They, they they bring it up all the time. They make fun of them. They all love each other. It's just a joke. Well, and that's what's funny. That was the only thing we really could talk about when he left the room because he was great. But you'll be surprised to see how some coaches. A lot of times you let the coaches conduct the interviews because you want the X and O. You really yeah. try in those fifteen minutes. You want some X and O stuff. But some coaches try to do that like hardcore good cop bad cop where. They want to show all his your bad plays, and, hey, I want to see how he owns up to these bad plays. And, yeah. And they try to come down hard on these guys to see how they react, which, I, you know, we don't – that's not something I ever thought was even valuable. It was one of those strange things to me. But, you know, you just take a step back. Is he a good player or not? That's all I really want to know. Is he going to help – is he going to help us win a Super Bowl? Let's take him. I don't care if he – you know, if he doesn't answer your question the right way at the combine. Some people probably do, But right? you wouldn't believe how some of these coaches, they come down with that, it's their time to feel tough and hard <laughs> on a guy. Hey, why'd you – hey, you got arrested for a uh, – your freshman year, you got a little underage in, in your dorm. Who the hell cares? Guess what? He could be doing a lot worse. Like, I don't care if he got high. I don't care if he got drunk. Because guess who does? Every single guy in college, for the most part. You know, I don't want to generalize, but I'm just saying, what do, what are you really trying to get out of these interviews? And and if you could just narrow it down to the X's nose, and I thought we did a good job of that in Buffalo. Our staffs were all about, yeah, I don't care good, either. Good. Rex Rex's staff was great like that. Rex is probably put, put that Didn't, in pro column, hey, right? I just, like. Just, hey, can you help us or not? Rex yeah. was the best. Rex was great like that. Like, can you help us or not? And that's really the mentality you need to have at the combine, and not. Hey, I'll, why'd you get a DUI? Who cares? Kind of like that gotcha, you know, moment. Who cares? You're 18, 19 years old. Cam Newton threw a laptop oh out God. of a window in Florida. Who cares? I, I, I mean, we've all been written up that freshman year in our college dorms. I remember, God, that we had to make flyers and posters and at St. John Fisher. I went to Syracuse after that. Syracuse was a little more lax than Fisher. But, but yeah, you're right. It's like, who cares? You know, it blows my mind with the combine. There's there's so much going on nonstop in the morning tonight, and obviously at night. 
Um, Prime 47 is, is the go-to spot. That's where a lot of team dinners, team dinners, staff, staff dinners. I mean, and they, they stay open until about 4 or 5 a.m. Like, they, they just stay open. I don't even know if that's legal in Indianapolis. But it, they just, and everybody's there forever. But the story I wanted to bring up, Jim, was like, so I had a column at, at Go Long on this this week where you know, we're very pro player on this podcast, pro right? I, I'm, I'm very pro player in the way I write all the time. One, one reason for that, and one reason I think that everybody out there should be rooting for the players this time of year to get every penny they can get, is there's so much shady shit that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, I think these these teams are very quick, and that, that's why I'm glad we can talk about this because you, you've worked in front offices your whole life. I mean, teams are very quick to throw their own players under the bus in more ways than one. And... I'm not going to say which coach it was and if he was an assistant, a head coach for what team. I, I, I worked in multiple locations. And at Bleach Report the last five years, I mean, I'm covering the NFL as a whole. I've talked to coaches around the league. So people can let their mind wander as much as they want. But after a, a pretty brutal playoff loss for one team, um, a coach for that team like said he wanted to get dinner with me and another reporter. And uh, so we, we get this Italian dinner. And um, we're all drinking Italian in Indianapolis. Yeah, I know, right? All right, anyway. it was good. It was good though. It was really all right, cool. Ravioli, lasagna, all, right, all that stuff. It worked. You know, and I get to about four or five drinks in, all of a sudden, this coach. You know, I thought it was a chance to just kind of get to know each other, right? Like we're not, we're not the big bad media. You're not the big bad coach. Let's just hang out, get to talk, talk about our families, talk about our lives. Yeah. Like that. That's the kind of stuff you got to do, and. Little do people know, like that's where a lot of stories are. That, that, that's what they're rooted in. Whether they're they're feature stories, or it's news. Like it's it's rooted in relationships. Something. Now he's a chance to just kind of build a relationship, get to know each other. All of a sudden, this coach is just throwing one player under the bus after another player, like like like, like rapid fire. Like everybody was open season on his own team, and bl- blaming all of these players for this excruciating pl- playoff loss. And, you know, in the moment, I'm thinking, wow, this is some pretty incredible intel. Like, I'm going to be able to kind of incorporate this into my writing, into my the, the background knowledge of, of knowing. And it, it's not to say it was inaccurate. Like, it was a lot of good stuff. This coach was also a pretty big reason why this team lost the game as well. And in retrospect, you know, over some time, you mature and you look back and it's like, wow, he was – Literally, like, just trashing his own team and his own players to us. So we would make him seem to be, you know, the good guy. Then his own players to seem like the bad guys. And that's bullshit. That's complete bullshit. That's terrible leadership. It's terrible coaching. You can't preach what you're preaching and then do this shit behind the scenes. So... Yeah, get your get your money, guys. This year, I, I hope players get as much money as they can. Always for the players, and you know when we when when we hired Sean McDermott and that first year, obviously you know we go to the combine. We had, we, you know, Sean. We pretty much were saying let's stick with Tyrod Taylor. He's going to be our quarterback moving forward. But, you know, let's have a good year. We have a good. We felt like there was enough mm-hmm. talent in play. Sean was right on this, where this team wasn't. You know, we weren't a bad team. We were close. Let's stick with Tyrod. We had some good bets. Sean felt like, and he was right because they made the playoffs that year. And we wanted to stick with Tyrod. Well, yeah, we want to stick with Tyrod, but that whole combine, the whole 2000, 
17 combines. I promise you, I was meeting with Denver every single day. Jim, that's tampering. You can't do that. Well, I was talking to a friend in Denver that worked for Denver. <laughs> Another just like archaic NFL thing that's and ridiculous, right? <laughs> we were working out a possible trade scenario yeah. for Tyrod with Denver. And it didn't come out. We didn't get what we want. You know, that we were trying to hey, this is what we want. They want blah, blah, blah. It never came, it never came forward and the rest is history. But that's what goes on at the combine. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're trying to work deals. You are trying to figure out every – at that point, you're meeting with agents and you know what the agents – you know what guys want. You might have to move on from them. You know what guys aren't happy. And you are doing – there is so much – of that that goes on at the combine. Everybody knows it in the NFL. Anybody works right, works in it. We all know that's what's going on. But the last thing you worry about is the 40 time. I really believe it's amazing that yeah. this combine, the, the NFL network has made a, you know, unbelievable fortune off of wow. televising it. I can't think of anything worse on TV. It's, I mean, I mean, that's where the NFL network, I, I guess you got to give them credit, right? Like they've, yeah. they've convinced they realize the country. Right, that, that plays into being in the headlines year-round. Like, if you can, you know, get these players in spandex running around, jumping around, doing all this stuff, and put it on TV and people are going to watch and make money off it, hey, capitalism, baby, I'm, I'm all for it. Trust me. But I, it's not that important. It really isn't. What's more important is all of this stuff behind the scenes that goes down. God, I can still remember a conversation, Jim, that I had – I, I love this guy, so I'm not going to say his name because, you know, I definitely want to have more conversations like this with him. Former player, scout for a team. We had drinks a few combines ago well, at a bar. a good guy, Tyler. I like him too. <laughs> not him. Not him. Um, he's not. You know what? He's actually not a scout anymore. Um, he got out of the business. But we we were at a at a bar just talking about like, um, God, like the the Illuminati. Yep. And like other dimensions and all this crazy stuff. Like, you know, he, he had me believing like Cardi B was part of the Illuminati by the end of the conversation. Like, he's pulling up stuff on YouTube and like this Bob Dylan interview that he, the Bob, I don't know if you, have you seen this? Like, it's on YouTube. I guess Bob Dylan gave an interview and if you, watch, if you watch it, like, he, 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 did he sell his soul to the devil? He may have sold his soul to the devil to be this good in music. So good. The most fascinating conversation i've had with anybody in my life and he had me believe in half the stuff it was it was unbelievable so man i I do miss that this year you just you never know who you're going to talk to and what you're going to talk about and trades are going down all kinds of stuff's going down so i used to call i miss it too and then i used to call the the combine would end on a monday afternoon or tuesday i'd always get out of there like on saturday but i think it went through tuesday tuesday And I would always tell everybody, you would see all the scouts on their laptops at the airport, you know, flying back home. I said, that was your national changer grade day because <laughs> every scout was like, okay, I had him in the second round. He ran a 4.8. I'm going to lower him to the fourth round. I'm sorry about that. Like, that's what the combine can do to your head in the front office if you let it. So there are people who do take – you know, I, that, some of that stuff does matter, right? It, like no. If, if you blow it up, then you're all matters. I use. There. I'm a combine pro day. Combines and pro days to me were always a good way to check yourself, mm-hmm. to make sure if you see something out of whack, 
you should pay attention to it. Whether it was better than you thought or worse than you thought, just just pay attention to it. Maybe go back and maybe make sure your boss knows if you're a scout. Hey, I really thought this guy was fat. You know, I really thought he was a playmaker, but shit, he's running four seven. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we need to back him down a little. Anybody and that comes to mind down those lines, Jim? Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden is the number one combine guy. And I learned this. I was a young scout. I was in Philadelphia at the time. And our director of college scouting, Mark Ross, who works for the NFL Network right Fantastic. now. Fantastic. Does best, a great job. Best thing going to NFL Network. He is, if you want true evaluations of a player, Mark Ross is giving it to you every day yeah. on that network. I, I, I love hearing what he says. But I remember he ran. I'm not lying to you at the combine. He ran a four eight, and I wasn't. I was. A, I didn't scout the southeast. I was scouting the northeast. But I knew how. I heard about him, and I remember everybody looking around like, get him off the board. Blah 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 blah. Mark Ross didn't care. He was like, I'm telling you, I don't care what he runs. You won't find him drop a pass. Nobody runs better routes. Nobody's better after the catch. Nobody's tougher. And I'm sitting in those meetings. He didn't drop him. He kept him in the first round on our draft That's board. That's awesome. It's one of my favorite draft stories because I was, I was still learning. You know, when you're a young scout, you're taking every – you're a sponge. Sorry. You're a sponge if you're trying to learn. Yeah. And, Mark, I, I'll never forget that. I'm like, man, he didn't budge. He didn't give a shit what he ran. And ever since then, I never cared about, you know, I was like, you know what? Good. He, hey, I he said, look, I, okay, look, don't run them on go routes. Yeah. That's it. Don't don't try to beat them deep. But guess what? He, he ran a 4.8. His, his combine was far up. It was 4.7 or 4.8. It was, it, was it was alarmingly bad. I think that's what I ran at St. John Fisher my lone college season. I mean, I, I can see why guys would want to take him off the board at that point, and too. It would, it would, if you don't trust what you watched... It would question you would question yourself. Yeah. Now, doesn't mean you shouldn't pay attention to it because now what you need to say is, okay, maybe he's not a true game breaker, which you may have known anyway, but doesn't mean he can't play. Jarvis Landry was another guy that couldn't play. You know, Jarvis Landry was slow. But I always think of Landry and and, and um was that? God, we just talked. Uh, Landry and, and Bolden. Bolden Landry and Bolden are the two examples I always think of. Yeah. They're off the charts, damn good receivers that can't run. Yeah. It's okay. I love that. And it says a lot about Mark Ross to have that conviction and, and so, have the, yeah, have the you balls know, I to like speak to give, up. I, I like to give credit when it's due, yeah. and, and he, he, he deserved that. Well, let's – we talked about it before we hit record, so go as deep as you want to go, Jim, but, like – you mentioned your first stop was in Philadelphia. Oh, Andy Reid. So he drafted a, a guy named Donovan McNabb, and maybe he didn't necessarily want to draft a guy named so Donovan McNabb. So here I am. I come in a year after McNabb was drafted, but I'm lucky enough to be around. You know, I'm in personnel as an intern, and I get to hear stories. Well, Andy Reid is a West Coast offense guy. Cade McNown played at UCLA, and same style of offense, same – you know, same passion. You know, Andy Reid saw him as the franchise quarterback. Well, Tom Mojack had the power at the time in Philly, and he's passed away now, but a great man and, and great GM. But Tom Mojack had a belief in Syracuse quarterback Donovan McNabb, who at the time 
wasn't a West Coast quarterback, as yeah. you would know as a fan, I'm sure, at the time. I, I would assume you were following Syracuse football. Is that too young? No, they, they were good then. But, so. yeah, but he was – I mean, McNabb was a superstar college quarterback that didn't necessarily fit the NFL system. That was back – got to remember, this is Bill Walsh, you know, Mike Holmgren, Andy Reid. These guys come from the same tree – so that offense was kind of taking off then, just now, now how the college's offense has creeped into the NFL. The West Coast There aren't a lot was, of black quarterbacks. It's just safe. Well, now that's a whole other volume. That's a whole other issue, right? This guy's running, you know, is, can he drop back and throw? Right. Syracuse and blah, blah. He's running around making plays. Even if it's subconscious. Mark I mean, Ross it's and Tom Modrak. Mark Ross was the director of college, and, and Tom Modrak was the GM, you know, had the power at the time. They believed in McNabb, and they took McNabb. And that's the famous draft where the Eagles fans all booted because they wanted Ricky Ricky Williams. But I do know for a fact that Andy Reid necessarily didn't have final say back then, but he also was was in love with Cade McNown. And it goes to show you – it goes back to kind of what we spoke about earlier, where some coaches get it right sometimes, GMs get it right, and it can flip too. But it takes that staff, like, just to get it right. However you do it, whoever's in control has to get it right. And, you know, Philly's lucky that McNabb was who he was. And, and obviously Andy Reid took over kind of a little bit later. He wanted the power and got it. But, I mean, I could go on with Andy Reid stories in Philly. Like, I mean, we took Freddie Mitchell. Well, I can tell you that wasn't a popular pick. We had a trade. We were, I, I think we had an ability to trade up to 16 to get Santana Moss who I think that the scouting staff, Modrak and, and Mark Ross, wanted to trade up and take Santana Moss in Philly. But Andy Reid didn't want to trade up. So they, okay, let's not do it. We won't go up. We stayed the course. We took Freddie Mitchell, who, you know, he was a possession wide out at best at that point. He wasn't even, you know, he was an okay player. Made, made the famous catch, which I will say, he did catch the ball. But he wasn't a game breaker. He wasn't no. a guy defensive coordinators were game planning for. But another guy, he, he played at where? UCLA. West Coast offense. And that's where coaches and scouts sometimes can butt heads. I'm so fat. Like, imagine if, if Andy Reid did have that power at that point, And he did have final say. He's not taking Donovan McNabb then. Well, he's fired in two years. And then is Andy Reid anything? We don't know if they don't take McNabb, we might not know who Andy Reid is. And Doug Peterson was the starting quarterback when Don McNabb That's was right. learning. <laughs> That's right. That's right. How great is that? That's right. God, it's unbelievable. I mean, the, I think it always comes back to this on this podcast, right, Jim? I mean, that line between being a Super Bowl champion and I'm telling you. sitting here on a podcast with some schlub like myself, like – it's it's so thin. It's 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 paper thin. If Drew Brees goes to the Miami Dolphins, we in New Orleans probably draft Matt Liner. You and I never meet. Yeah. No, I am I'm out of a job in two years. Right, right. right. That's how close. Like Brees picked us over Miami, so we get Reggie Bush and we do all this other stuff. Yeah. And now we got the quarterback in free agency. It's about nailing the quarterback. You've got to nail the you quarterback. And then if you hit the quarterback, like everything around, it's like the you know everything everything surrounds the sun, you know everything orbits the sun. Like hit the quarterback, 
everybody's lives are better. Everybody's employed. Everybody's egos are just shooting through the roof. You know, why Green Bay is laughing at everybody right now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Did we? Did Aaron Rodgers? Was he happy last year during the draft? We took Jordan Love in the first round. No, he wasn't. But guess what? Guess who's still going to be for Green Bay next year? Aaron Rodgers. Right. Guess who's not trying to get rid of Aaron Rodgers? Green Bay. All Green Bay did was take the guy they had conviction on, which you wrote about. This is why you are what you are. You wrote a great story. Green Bay took a quarterback they had conviction on. If he's good in three years when Aaron's ready to leave, great. If he's good in five years when Aaron's ready to leave, great. But guess what? We're not trying to get rid of Aaron. We're trying to keep our job. Totally. Totally. I love it. And that's where it pays to be a little callous. That's where it pays to be... You know, just you you don't give a shit about public perception. You don't care what they're talking about on first take. You don't care if people are going to criticize you. You don't care if your starting quarterback's feelings are hurt because it comes back to the quarterback. You do not want to be in the position where you're looking for a quarterback. If you can get that guy ready whenever Aaron Rodgers is going to retire or his skills decline or whatever, then you're ready to transition. I mean, if, if Jordan Love is really, really good, you're talking about 50 years of quarterback bliss. And you're, you're not one of these teams that are resetting every three, four years. It's, I don't get it. Like, maybe it's because we're – it's that Instagram, Twitter, Facebook mentality of we need that instant gratification. We need that dopamine. You know what I mean? Like, as a human being, that you need that do- – you, you you got to be excited right now. What's, I need to be happy. Like, everybody's so caught up in – the now, think big picture. It's okay. Did I can't remember in Buffalo, and I'm sure there was an article. I just don't remember it. I don't remember getting criticized for us drafting Sammy Watkins at the time. I don't no, remember I mean, Sam, anybody Sammy coming was the out. Can't miss guy in that draft. I don't remember one person saying why would they do that. And that goes to show it's hard. It's really hard. And. Sammy, around the NFL, was regarded as a can't-miss. And he's a good player. And injuries, we, we've talked about. But it's that hard. And it's, it's like you don't, get, you don't get criticized on that pick, but yet you get criticized on – you know what I mean? Like Green Bay's getting crushed for taking Jordan Love. Really? How do you know? Now, if Love stinks in three or four years, when he takes over and he stinks, all right, we can talk. But guess what? You're, you had conviction, and you should be, you know. I mean, I think that, you know, the, lo- the local media, with a few exceptions, great exceptions. Tom Silverstein is incredible. Does an amazing job. Everybody should read his stuff out there. I think that it's a very Rogers-centric approach to the job. It's, you know, there, there's some passive aggressiveness coming from the quarterback out of that NFC Championship game. Seems a little unhappy. Boom, instantly, surround him with talent. What are you doing, Brian Goodikins? You're nuts. You're crazy. Like, no, they they were 13-3. and three. They were the number one seed. They hosted an NFC Championship game. They have talent around the quarterback. They have Devontae Adams. They have three legit starting caliber running backs. Marquez Valdez-Scandlin, he took Carlton Davis to, to town that game. A good corner. Well, I mean, Bob Tunyon, I think he's got, like, the second-best catch rate in the NFL. Eight, nine touchdowns. Alan Lazard, very, very good. They all block. They block their asses off. 
speaks to Matt LaFleur and his coaching. It's like, I, I get it. Like, there's that propensity to try to say, oh, my God, why are they doing this to Aaron Rodgers again? Like, no, no they, there's talent there, and they've done a good job around him, and they could afford to draft a quarterback because the quarterback position means more than anything else in the game. So Bills fans, we're constantly talking about Bills all season, right? What are they going to do? Running back, tight end, blah, blah, blah. You know who they need? You know who they really should go after? Or Go get a backup quarterback that's a baller. Go get Teddy wow. Bridgewater. Because guess what? You have a squad right now. You have a team. Matt Barkley stinks. I'll say it. I don't think he's good enough. I don't like him. I don't think he's good enough. I think he's had opportunities. I think he's proven on tape. He's not going to get you to the Super Bowl. Here's the old thing with backup quarterbacks. Okay, if the starter goes down, can we go 500 with the backup? I don't think you can go 500 with Matt Barkley. I don't see it. Go get a Teddy Bridgewater. Bill's fans would flip out probably. I don't want. I don't want to say that, but maybe. But that's where you shouldn't care about that. That's right? what you need. That you shouldn't care about the backlash. No, you Who have, cares? You have a squad, and I would love to see the Bills really yeah. focus on. Let's. If Josh goes down, if Josh Allen goes down, can we keep this train running? And Bridgewater, yeah. I don't know if you could find a better guy that. Obviously, he really doesn't even lose. Right. Now, is he good enough to be your starter and win a Super Bowl? I don't think so. So what's that mean? Ideal backup. Go get Teddy Bridgewater. Go sign him. Overpay for him. Because that gives you, if Josh does go down, you have a shot. Totally. I love that. I don't know. That's my way of thinking. Nobody talks about it. But Matt Barkley, I'm sorry. No, I'm a dozen, man. Nothing. I mean, and, and it happens, too. I think there's another effect that you'd have. Say say they do pay up for Teddy Bridgewater, and some of the money they could use for, for whatever, who, right, you know, for whoever. Who, right. Like, they, they, they pay, you know, to get a premium back and quarterback. Well, then, then you're not that worried about your play calling with Josh Allen, right? It's like, okay, you've got this crazy athleticism. You've got this ability. Use it. You know, we're not, we're not going to have that little part in our brain that's just kind of sitting back there like a tumor. Uh, yeah, maybe you shouldn't call that play because you don't want to get hurt and start back. That's gone because you've got this because you got Teddy Bridgewater. So there, there is another effect. I, mean, I remember in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers goes down, Seneca Wallace comes in, Scott Tolzien comes in, Matt Flynn comes in. I mean, the season went down the drain. Now I think Mike McCarthy probably had something to do with it, and the coaching was poor, the defense wasn't that great, all of that, but. It pays. It, I think it's. You're right. That's a really good point. I just think it's something you shouldn't go. You shouldn't just pass it off. Like I really think, and maybe Bridgewater's the wrong guy because maybe he's too much. But find a guy you believe in to be your backup. And I, I think you're kidding yourself with Barkley. I mean, I know he's. I know he does things. But I just don't see it with him. I don't see them continuing. Hey, what's gonna happen with Russell Wilson? Oh, sign off. I can't wait. I can't wait. I think he stays in Seattle. Do you really? I do. Just all much to do about nothing. I do. If I was Seattle, though, go ahead and I would I, look. What do we always talk about? Pro player. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, but I'm not. I'm not leaving Russell yet. I. I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily in the right in this situation. Well, I mean, that might be. Now that see, this is what I'm saying. Is this a Pete Carroll issue? Yeah. And a coaching issue or a Russell Russell Wilson isn't the issue in Seattle. That's true. That's true. Come on. I mean, you got DK Metcalf though. You've got they're Tyler Lockett. You yeah. Got so all those, let's go. Surprise. Let's yeah. figure it out. Like 
this is on you, Pete Carroll. Like, we should be winning with this guy. Or John Schneider as the GM. Protect him. Draft some O-line. Do you think that's why he's unhappy, just the yeah, offensive line? definitely is. Yeah. Definitely is. And, and and there's no question, just like Deshaun, he's like, look, you guys are bailing me. You guys are selling me out. Like, don't know. Houston, Seattle, we talked about this. Carson Wentz, no. You got you did the hard part. You had the right guy. Build around them and look at those people in charge of them. Don't. Don't get rid of the quarterback. I'll just say this, though, Jim. I mean, the way Russell Wilson leaked that out, I mean, give me a break. Like, either ask for a trade or don't. Like, the report from Adam Schefter. Couldn't break up with the girl. Couldn't break up with her. I mean, I can't even take credit for this. This is a perfect analogy. Somebody tweeted at me and said it's basically like somebody saying, you know, I'm happily married. But, you know, if I were to get a divorce, I mean, here are the four women that I would like to remarry, you know. I that, couldn't agree with you it's more. It's like, give me I a freaking break, the way Russ. Come on. I hate. Like, here are the four teams I'd go to, but I'm not asking for. Like, get, get so the then shit. take it to this step. So they say, so Russell, Will, they're saying now Russell Wilson wants to maybe, after he's done with football, be, get into ownership. Well, what do they show during the Super Bowl? Russell and his wife, Sierra, who used to be married to 50 Cent. Yeah. Uh, no, no, not 50, future, right? So <laughs> Sierra, so his wife is with Sierra from Atlanta, right, who has a kid with future. Well, future and Russell Wilson aren't hanging, okay? When Russell would go to Atlanta after all this went down to play games, the Falcons would play all future songs during right. pregame warm-up, yeah, okay? Right. So Sierra's confused. All right, a little confused. She wants future. She wants Russell. All right, whatever. But what I'm saying is, what do we? Country music singer, you know. That's your style. I'm I'm into the more. I'm into that. You know, I I know the rap game a little bit, a little bit. I love Future. I do love Future. What I'm saying is, Sierra's confused. She can't tell. Do I want the rapper? Do I want the nice clean cut? She goes clean cut Russell now. So clean cut Russell, the Super Bowl is meeting with Roger Goodell, right? What do we see on TV? I see Roger Goodell. Russell Wilson and Sierra having a conversation, and I start shaking my head. I know what that conversation was about. Hey, um, when my playing days are over, Roger, you know, I want to be an owner. How, yeah. you know, how do I – that, in my mind, that's what was going on. Well, that's my thinking. I might be way off. I but, like it. But I'm just saying, these guys, man, these quarterbacks are Peyton Manning. These guys have – Drew Brees did this. In New Orleans, where when his contract in like 2011 or 12, I can't remember when he was up, but this is when Breeze they were they were saying, "Hey, we saved the city, we saved New Orleans." Yeah, like they're trying to say, "Look," and Russell Wilson's trying to say, "Look, I made this franchise. I'm making Seattle." And and to to a point, they're right because quarterback is the most important position. I know, but don't think these guys aren't always thinking about their future. And what they can, you know, obviously do once they're done playing. And Russell, to me, is always thinking next step a little bit. I think he stays in Seattle. You're right. I think he stays. I think. There's... I don't think Deshaun stays. God, that's going to be wild. You know better than I do. But man, there doesn't seem to be any type of budging on Deshaun's part. There's not. There's not. I mean, I, I know people in his inner circle, and he is. Absolutely mm. dug in. He's not going to budge. I mean, we can debate the merits of it and everything. Um, we'll kind of know where I stand, but like he feels lied to. He, he feels like 
Like they told him. It, it starts with ownership. It's not Casario. Yeah. It's not Cully. It's ownership. 100% Tyler, best point yeah. that you can make to the fans. It starts with ownership. It starts with ownership. Like they – what I was told, Jim, is like, all right, if they didn't – when he signed that con- – it started when he signed that contract. So when he signed that contract, they told him like – yeah, you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a voice. Like when we, we when we make big decisions as a team, you're gonna have a, this comes from ownership. It doesn't get much bigger than who are we gonna hire as our coach, who are we gonna hire as our GM, and he felt kind of boxed out. It wasn't like you know hire Eric Bieniemy. It was let's take a look at Eric Bieniemy, and they didn't interview him. They didn't really take his words into account. I think that it's bigger than the bottom line for Deshaun Watson, and he's okay losing money right now. He's gonna lose a lot of money. I mean, I don't have the figures right in front of me, but like, like we're talking twenty, 20 mil this year, twenty-seven mil, something out, like that. Like, like that. <clears throat> does he take it that far? I, I think he loves the game so much that it's hard to imagine him missing an entire season. But who knows? I mean, I think he's gonna push this through the off season, toward training camp, into training camp. When but we're gonna see when the owner of the Texans. said that the players are inmates when they were kneeling for the anthem is when he lost, when, when the Houston Texans lost Hopkins, Watt, Watson, and probably a lot. Dwayne Brown went to Seattle, yeah. left tackle. When he said, when he called them inmates. And I, I get that it's an expression, inmates running the asylum, but like... Was. You can't. That's a lack of self awareness. Yeah. Right. And I promise you, that's when it all went bad in Houston. It's bad. It's very, very bad. And it should be because that comment was pathetic. Yeah. It was. Sorry. It was. It's. So here's the thing, though. Will. They're not taking calls. They're not placing calls. And the trades are right there to be had. Like, that's a. It's such an easy out for Houston. Like, your team is trash. You have nothing on that roster. Like, what a better way to restart things than to trade this asset that you have. If Deshaun can, if he is really, hey, it's 20-some million dollars if he doesn't play. I mean, that's, look, if he's that gutsy to sit out, Houston needs to say, I got to do right by you. You're right. I got to trade you. Well, we got a lot of questions here on Twitter, Jim. Let's, so let's, let's get Let's, let's wrap get it up. Here. I like it. Let's All wrap right. it up. Let's see here. All right. And thank you, everybody, for listening, for reading. Man, you name it. All right. Let's see. This is from, uh, from, from Jim Eimer. Jim, appreciate you. Is there pressure on the front office? To not draft a quarterback when there is already an incumbent quarterback from the pri- from the prior season. As a Bills fan, they passed on quarterbacks over the years to sell their fans on the likes of Trent Edwards and Ryan Fitzpatrick. How much does selling a message to the fan base play into it? Great question. No, you should never pass on any player that you think can upgrade you. So if it is quarterback, you should draft that quarterback. And... If you thought, if you passed on a quarterback because you had Trent Edwards or you had Ryan Fitzpatrick, then you as a GM, is you're wrong. Now, if you're the Saints or if you're 
certain teams over the years where you had a franchise quarterback and you might have, okay, hey, this quarterback's available versus this linebacker or this pass rusher, you should take the pass rusher, you know, because you have Drew in place, he's under contract. But I really do believe if your quarterback is the right guy, that's the only time you really should pass on a guy, a quarterback. But if that court, if, if you love a quarterback, take him. Always take him. Love it. Love it. Because that was really a problem in Buffalo for, but prior to well, you. Is, is it, they, they'd sell themselves on J.P. Well, Lawsman, sell themselves on Trent Edwards. And it, it, Fitz. It, honestly, let's talk. Let, I mean, it's that simple. They were wrong. And they all lost their jobs for it. Yep. Or they, you know, it, know. it all. And Buddy Nix retired after you drafted EJ. Ah, oh, poor Buddy. But hey, every Edwards, Fitzpatrick, EJ, you're not winning a Super Bowl with those guys. And that, uh, would you say that's one of your biggest regrets, Jim? Is, I mean, with EJ, you came in and you had a grade on EJ. You knew what he was. Doug knew what he was. He told me he would have been a great third round pick, backup quarterback. Tyler. And that, when people hear your names, it's like EJ. So, I will, no. First, to answer your question, zero regrets. The experience with Buffalo was the greatest experience I I've mean, ever had sti- in my life. I mean, sticking with EJ. Sticking with him, we didn't really stick with him. That's true. Yeah. I mean, now what we did was try to build around him. That was wrong. But kind a, of. A mini stick. An initial stick of It sorts. was, for sure. For sure. Hey, let's build around EJ. And we were wrong on that. Yeah. But as far as, no. Like, hey, we they took EJ. Let's, let's give EJ his best chance to succeed, and we tried. Appreciate the honesty, man. All right, this is from Barry. He's a family member of sorts, by the way. All right, I like this. Great dude. Great wedding. Great reception out in Rhode Island. Ooh. Oh, my God, it was a fun time. Gina's cousin here. He asks... Who the hell is going to be under center for the Patriots? Please tell me there's a better rumor than a Cam Newton report return. Who, would, do you, who do you think is going to be the quarterback for the New England Patriots? I'd be shocked if it's Cam Newton, and I can't wait because here's the best. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I have zero clue. But I can't wait to see who it is because I think Belichick is coming full force. I think he has a he's got a guy that he's going to want to get whether it's draft or free agency or trade that is going to be fun to watch but it will not be I can't imagine it's Cam Newton in my personal opinion and he's one of my, Cam Newton's one of my all-time all-time favorite players I've ever scouted he is done yes and I love him we talked about it I know and I he, love he passing touchdowns in a season love Cam Newton but he's not, he's not Cam anymore. This is just a total guess. Mitch Trubisky, New England Patriots starting quarterback, 2021. 8-8 and, eight and eight, find your next guy. Yeah, you don't talk about Mitch like that on this. We're a Mitch I, friendly love, po- I love Trubisky. We're a Mitch-friendly podcast, Jim. Love him. Mark David. Gibbon. By the way, Mark David. Oh, oh he's a oh, family member. He's incredible. Great dude. Loyal listener, we appreciate your patriots, Mark. Given the Bills' current cap situation and the roster, is signing a 32-year-old J.J. Watt to 15 mil a year worth it? 
If not, what's the highest you pay for Watt annually, given the current situation? I will say that that number that was floated out there, 15 to 16 million a year, I think I, this is just my personal belief. I believe it's agent driven. I think it's Tom Condon trying to drive the price up, talking to somebody that works for a team in the Watt sweepstakes. I think they're really doing everything they can to drive his price up. I think that the contenders that are in on this, Bills, Packers, Browns, name your team. I think they're holding firm right now. I think that's why nothing's happened. I think they see a 32-year-old that, you know, hasn't played past eight games in three of the last five years, and they want to use him as maybe a vet specialist, maybe, you know, not 70 snaps a game at this point. And I think that J.J. Watt is approaching free agency. Like, he's the J.J. Watt who wrecked the NFL in 2014, 2015. And if he's expecting that kind of money over a long-term contract, he's going to be disappointed. If he wants that kind of money for a bad team, maybe he gets that. Does J.J. Watt go to a bad team, Jim? Or does he take less money for a good team? If the Bills don't get Watt, don't be upset because he probably got overpaid from somebody else. I feel like the Bills won't overpay for Watt. Right. I, I try. I, I do the way the Bean seems to do things. I, I don't see them overpaying. They haven't. They've done a nice job in free agencies, and and I don't think they overpay for Watt. Get him at your price. Great. Don't overpay for that guy. Yes, it's fun to have him. He's not going to make. He he isn't going to be the difference maker for your Super Bowl. I'm really torn on Watt because I feel like. No, he is absolutely not Reggie White. He could be Julius Peppers. He could be Peppers at 34, 35, 36. Making plays, forcing fumbles, getting sacks, an interception here, some tip balls. That's good. And, you know, what is that player worth? Peppers could have been that guy that put Green Bay over the top in 2014 if he isn't telling Morgan Burnett to slide after an interception when the Packers are up 19-7 to with four minutes left. Oh my God! Like, I, but anyways, but the like, key is the key is don't overpay. That's don't really overpay. the key. Don't I'm not overpay. disagree. Watts definitely still has value, but make it your value, and you got it. That's the hardest part. You got to cut. You can't go over your value. What would you pay for JJ Watt? Not what you just said. I mean, you're probably. T- I'd go what like twelve, loaded with incentives. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a huge walk guy. Who, so if you're a, a team like Buffalo, then how do you – I mean, Dix is a little bit strong, but, like, the pass rush wasn't good enough against Mahomes. How do you get that better? And we talked about that, and you do need some dogs. And we talked about Ngakwe, who I, lo- I like. I like – I wouldn't – I'd be okay. I like the edge stuff. You know, I think the interior guys, you know, I know those guys are – they're fun. They're they're hard to find a little bit, but I don't think you should overpay for those yeah. interior guys. But I think you know what you're getting in Ngakwe. He's a little younger. I'm okay with him. I just his injury history, Watts injury history and age. I don't overpay for those guys. I just I couldn't personally do that. I'm also sitting at Hamburg Brewing without a job, <laughs> so I don't I don't want to sit there and say I'm, I know everything. I'm just saying I personally wouldn't overpay for Watts. I would no, I agree. I, I would go in Gakwe. I'd go Bud Dupree. I'd go with one of these younger guys That's with some what I'm pop, with some That's pop what I'm off saying. the edge, yeah. even if it's an extra four or five mil a year. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yep. You get that four or five mil by letting go of 
Jefferson and I mean, you're fine. Those honestly, Addison, yeah. They just got the draft better, you know. All right, Matthew Zelmer, Matt, good to see you, man. You're a loyal subscriber. We can't thank you enough. We missed you on the last Zoom happy hour, though. Hopefully you'll be on there next week. Russell Wilson to the Cowboys or not? Awesome question. And we kind of talked about this earlier. I don't actually think. I love Russell Wilson. But I also love Dak Prescott. I don't think that is a significant upgrade. I think you're talking about franchise versus franchise. Totally. I would keep Dak. I really would. He, The team loves him. He knows those guys. He's invested. I would keep Dak. I'm not sure when exactly to run this story, Jim, but I've talked to people on the inside of the Jerry Jones Dallas machine and how they conduct business when it comes to these matters. It's less than ideal, to say the least. Might be time for that, given the quarterback situation there in Dallas. It, it will uh, blow some people's minds, I think. As in Jerry? I think just the structure of everything. You know, not necessarily Jerry or Steve. I think it's both. And right. I, I think it's not normal. It's setup. not Mike McCarthy. It's not a normal setup. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> All right, let's just get to a couple more here. David Ward. This kind of gets to your point earlier, Jim. Um, He says he'd like to trade for Garter Minshew. (laughs) He says he'd be a great backup on a rookie contract. Love that. David also says, of course, it would have to be for a later-round draft choice, but if Josh Allen is out for an extended period of time, it would be a great pickup. What do you think? I'm sure Jacksonville would take calls. Is David Ward sitting here with us right now drinking beers? Because I just pulled this up, and that's a fantastic question from David. Thank you. 100%. That's what I'm talking about. I said Teddy Bridgewater earlier, but that was my point. A capable backup. Minshew is a ideal number two. Go get him. He actually has that same kind of country mentality that Josh Allen has. I picture those two in the film room loving each other, hanging out. Love that. Minshew would be ideal. Love it. Fantastic question. I can't thank everybody enough for listening, for reading, for consuming our content wherever, however. Hopefully you're able to uh, get on down here to Hamburg Brewing. I mean, we are looking down right now, and it is packed. It's great. It's great to see just people... Out drinking beers, eating food, having a good time. Hopefully we'll see you all in, in the flesh here soon. This off season, I mean, I think things are getting better, Jim. I think people are slowly able to kind of reassimilate into a society that we that we knew prior to coronavirus. And we want to meet you. We want to hang out. We want to drink some beers. That's all we really want to do. Get give us questions. Let's drink. Let's talk. Hey, we're all we're all trying to do our best guesses, but it's fun. Definitely. Definitely. Well, hey, thank, thanks so much, everybody. This was a lot of fun. Uh, be sure to hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Ty Dunn. Jim, what's your Twitter? Jim Monas 42 That's right. it. All right. Hit Jim up, too. And we'll catch you very, very soon. Thank you.